0: Hi, everybody, Carla here, and thanks for tuning in for another episode of Carla Reads the Classics. Let's continue with Mr. Ernest J. Gaines and a gathering of old men. This is segment four, and it's called Robert Louis Stevenson Banks, a.k.a. Chimley. Me and Matt was down there fishing. We goes fishing every Tuesday and every Thursday. "'We just got one little spot now. "'Ain't like it used to be "'when you had the whole river to fish on. "'The white people, they done bought up the river now, "'and you got nowhere to go but that one little spot. "'Me and Matt goes there every Tuesday and Thursday.'" Other people uses it on other days, but on Tuesday and Thursday they leaves it for us. We've been going to that one little spot like every Tuesday and Thursday the last ten, eleven years. That one little spot just ain't got nowhere else to go no more. We had been down there oh about an hour. Matt had caught eight or nine good sized perches, and me about six, Throw in a couple of sackales there with the bunch. Me and Matt was just sitting there, taking life easy, talking low. Matt was sitting on his croaker sack. I was sitting on my bucket. The fishes we had caught, when we had them, we had them on a string in the water, keeping them fresh. We was just sitting there, talking low, talking about the old days. Then that oldest boy of Berto, that sissy one they call Few. Come running down the riverbank and said, Clatou said, Miss Merrill said that that young woman at Marshall, Candy, wanted us on the place right away. She wanted us to get 12 gauge shotguns and number five shells, and she wanted us to shoot, but keep the empty shells and get there right away. Me and Matt looked at him standing there sweating, a great big old round faced sissy looking boy in blue jeans and a blue gingham shirt, the shirt wet from him running. Matt said, all that for what? The boy looked like he was ready to run some more, sweat just pouring down the side of his face. He was one of them great big old sissy looking boys, round, smooth, sissy looking face. He said, something to do with Matthew and something to do with Bo Tan dead in his yard. That's all I know and all I want to know. Up to y'all now. I've done done my part. Y'all can go and do like she say, or y'all can go home, lock y'all doors, and crawl under the bed like y'all used to. Me? I'm leaving. He turned. Where you going? Matt called to him. You and no Boutan will ever know, he called back. You better run out of Louisiana, Matt said to himself. The boy had already got out of hearing reach. One of them great big old sissy boys running hard as he could go up the riverbank. Me and Matt didn't look at each other for a while, pretending we was more interested in the fishing lines. But it wasn't fishing we was thinking about now. We was thinking about what happened to us after something like this did happen. Not a killing like this. I had never known in all my life where a black man had killed a white man in this parish. I had known I had known about fights, about threats, but not killings. And now I was thinking about what happened after these fights, these threats, how the white folks rode. This what I was thinking, and I was sure Matt was doing the same. That's why we didn't look at each other for a while. We didn't want to see what the other one was thinking. We didn't want to see the fear in the other one's face. He works in mysterious ways, don't he? Matt said it wasn't loud more like he was talking to himself not to me but I knowed he was talking to me he didn't look at me when he said it but I knowed he was talking to me I went on looking at my line that's what they say I said Matt went on looking at his line a while I didn't have to look and see if he was looking at his line we had been together so much me and him I knowed what he was doing without looking at him "'You don't have to answer this lest you want to, Chimley,' he said. He didn't say that loud, either. He had just jerked on the line, because I could hear the line cut through the water. "'Yeah, Matt?' I said. He jerked on the line again. Maybe it was a turtle trying to get at the bait. Maybe he just jerked on the line to do something, instead of looking at me. "'Scared?' he asked. His voice was still low, and he still wasn't looking at me. "'Yes,' I said he jerked on the line again then he pulled in a sack of late long and wide as my hand he rebaited the hook and spit on the bait for luck and throw the line back out in the water he didn't look at me all this time I didn't look at him either just seeing all this out the corner of my eyes I'm 71 Chimley he said after the line had settled again 71 and a half I ain't got too much strength left to go crawling under that bed like few said. I'm 72, I said, but I didn't look at him when I said it. We sat there a while looking at our lines. The water was so clean and blue and blue, peaceful and calm. I could have sat there all day long looking out at long looking out there at my line. Then he did it, Matt asked. I hunched my shoulders. I don't know, Matt. "'If he did it, you know we ought to be there, Chimley,' Matt said. "'I didn't answer him, but I knowed what he was talking about. "'I remembered the fight Matthew and Fix had out there at Marshall's store. "'It started over a Coke bottle. "'After Fix had drunk his Coke, "'he wanted Matthew to take the empty bottle back in the store. "'Matthew told him he wasn't nobody's servant. "'Fix told him he had to take the bottle back in the store or fight.' A bunch of us was out there, white and black, sitting on the gary, eating gingerbread and drinking pop. The sheriff, Guidry, was there too. Matthew told Guidry if if Fix started anything, he was going to protect himself. Guidry went on eating his gingerbread and drinking pop like he didn't even hear him. When Fix told Matthew to take the bottle back in the store again and Matthew didn't, Fix hit him and the fight was on. Worst fight I've ever seen in my life. For about an hour, it was toe to toe. But when it was over, Matthew was up and Fix was down. The white folks wanted to lynch Matthew, but Geedry stopped them. Then he walked up to Matthew, cracked him side the jaw, and Matthew hit the ground. He turned to Fix, hit him in the mouth, and Fix went down again. Then Geedry came back to the Gary to finish his gingerbread and pop. That was the end of that fight. But that wasn't the last fight Matthew had Matthew had on that river with them white people. And that's what Matt was talking about. That's what he meant when he said if Matthew did it, we ought to be there. Matthew was, the, Matthew was the only one we knowed had ever stood up. I looked at Matt sitting on the croaker sack. He was holding the fishing pole with both hands, gazing out at the line. We had been together so much, I just about knowed what he was thinking. But I asked him anyhow. About that bed, he said. I'm too old to go crawling under that bed. I just don't have the strength for it no more. It's too low, Chimley. Mine ain't no higher, I said. He looked at me now, a fine-featured brown-skinned man. I had known him all my life. Had been young men together. Had done our little running around together. Had been in a little trouble now and then, but nothing serious. Had never done what we was thinking about doing now. Maybe we had thought about it. Sure, we had thought about it, but we had never done it. What you say, Chimley? He said. I nodded to him. We pulled in the lines and went up the bank. Matt had his fishes in the sack. Mine was in the bucket. She want us to shoot first, I said. I wonder why. I don't know, Matt said. How's that old gun of yours working? Shot good last time, I said. That's been a while, though. You got any number five shells? Matt asked. Might have a couple round there, I said. I ain't looked in a long time. Save me one or two if you got them, Matt said. Guess I'll have to borrow a gun, too. Nothing round my house worked but that 20-gauge and that old rifle. How you figuring on getting over there, I asked him. too, I reckon, Matt said. "'Try to hitch a ride with him on the truck. "'Have him pick me up, too,' I said. "'When we came up to my gate, Matt looked at me again. "'He was quite a bit taller than me, "'and I had to kind of hold my head back to look at him. "'You sure now, Chimley?' he said. "'If you go, Matt.' "'I have to go, Chimley,' he said. "'This can be my last chance.' I looked him in the eyes, lightish brown eyes. They were saying much more than he had said. They were speaking for both of us though, me and him. I'm going too, I said. Matt still looked at me. His eyes were still saying more than he had said. His eyes were saying, we wait till now? Now when we're old men? Now that we're old men, we get to be brave? I didn't know how to answer him. All I knowed, I had to go if he went. Matt started toward his house, and I went on in the yard. Now, I ain't even stepped in the house good for that old woman started fussing at me. What I'm doing home so early for? She don't like to be cleanin' fishes this time of day. She don't like to clean fishes till evening when it's cool. I didn't answer that old woman. I set my bucket of fishes on the table in the kitchen. Then I come back in the front room and got my old shotgun from against the wall. I looked through the shells I kept in a cigar box on top of the armor till I found me a number five. I blow the dust off, loaded the old gun, stuck it out the window, turned my head just in case the old gun decided to blow up and I shot. Here come that old woman starting right back on me again What's the matter with you, old man? What you doing shooting out that window raising all that racket for? Right now, I don't know what I'm doing all this for, I told her. But see, if I come back for Marshall and them fishes ain't done and ready for me to eat, I'm gonna do some more shooting round this house. Do you hear what I'm saying? She tightened her mouth and rolled her eyes at me, but she had enough sense not to get too cute. I got me two or three number five shells, blow the dust off them, and went out to the road to wait for Klaatu. That'll do it for segment four of Ernest Gaines, A Tale of Old Men, A Gathering of Old Men, I beg your pardon. Please stay tuned for segment five here at Carla Reads the Classics. I must still be thinking about A Tale of Two Cities because I think in the last segment I called the title of A Gathering of Old Men A Tale of Two Men. In any case, let's jump right back into segment five of Ernest J. Gaines' A Gathering of Old Men and let me also say that if you have questions, comments or if you'd like to make a suggestion please friends write to me at carlareadstheclassics@gmail.com. at gmail.com and now without further delay I give you segment five and this one is called Matthew Lincoln Brown, aka Matt. When I got home, I handed my sack of fishes to Ella and I went in the other room to phone Klaatu. Emma's daughter, Julie, and Klaatu had just left the house and asked me what was the matter. She said Miss Merle had called Klaatu on the phone, and Klaatu had got his old shotgun and left in his truck, and she wanted me to tell her what the matter was. I told her if Klaatu didn't tell her anything, I couldn't tell her anything either, and I asked her if Klaatu told her where he was going. She said he didn't tell her nothing, but she heard him over the phone telling Miss Merle something about Mr. Billy Washington and something about Mr. Jacob Aguilard. She told me I might be able to catch him either at Silo or the old mulatto place, and she asked me again what was the matter. I hung up the phone and looked up Billy Washington's number. His wife, Selena, told me Billy had just left in the truck with Klaatu. I asked her if Billy had his gun. She said yes, matter of fact, he did, but how did I know? I asked her if they said where they were going next. She said she believed they was headed toward the old mulatto place because she heard them saying something about Jacob Aguilard. I asked her if Jacob had a number, and she said she didn't know, but Leola Beauvais had a phone. She told me if I hung on a minute, she would get the number for me. When she came back on the phone, she gave me the number, and she asked me what was the matter. I hung up and called Leola's house. She told me that Clatoo had just pulled up in front of Jacob's house. She said looked like that was Billy Washington with him and looked like both of them had shotguns and Jacob was coming out of the house right now and he had a shotgun too. I told her to run out on the Gary and tell Clatoo to wait a second. I heard her putting the phone down and then a little while later picking it up again. She said Clatoo was waiting. I asked her if, he, if she had a 12-gauge shotgun that could shoot. She told me when her husband died, he left her two or three old guns around there, but she couldn't tell one gauge from another. And she asked me again, what was the matter? I told her to take the guns out to Klaatu and ask Klaatu to check them. And if he found a 12-gauge that could shoot, bring it. I asked her if she had any, any number five shells, and she said she didn't know. I told her to get all the shells she had and take them out to Klaatu and tell Klaatu to pick out some and bring them. She asked me what was the matter. I told, her to, I told her to tell Klaatu to tell her because I didn't know anything. I hung up. When I looked around, I saw Ella standing in the door with her hands on her hips. So big she was filling up that whole door. What's all this about shotguns? She asked. We going hunting, I said. "'Going hunting. What, this time of day?' "'Just hunting,' I said. "'Matthew, I'm talking to you,' she said. "'Hunting what?' "'I'll tell you when I get back,' I said. "'You telling me before you leave from here,' she said. "'Go somewhere and sit down, woman,' I said. "'This men business. I'm making it my business,' she said, "'coming up to me. Hunting what?' "'Get out of my face, woman,' I said. "'For once in my life before I die, I'm going... I stopped. Just don't be asking me no questions, I said, and went out on the Gary. I heard her in there on the phone. Then she hung up, and I could hear her dialing somebody else. Then I heard her screaming, What? What? Uncle Billy? What? I heard her slamming the phone down and coming out on the Gary. What's Uncle Billy doing with a shotgun old as he is? How do I know? I said. I don't keep Billy Washington in my pocket. You know all right she said, her hands on her hips again. You know, all right. And you're going to tell me before you leave from here. I turned on her. You want to know, huh? I said, you want to know, huh? Now she started backing away from me like she thought I was going to hit her. I'll tell you, I said, a Cajun's dead over there at Marshall laying on his back in Matthew's yard. Now, you know, and what's that got to do with you? She said, she was safe enough away that she could begin to talk big again. And what's that got to do with Uncle Billy? You mean you still don't know? I asked her. I turned from her and looked up the road, but Klaatu still wasn't coming yet. You old fool, she said. You old fool, y'all gone crazy. That's right, I said, looking up the road, not at her. Anytime we say we to stand up for something, they say we crazy. You're right, we all gone crazy. "'You old fool,' she said. "'You old fool. "'If if I can't stop you, I bet I'll call your brother. "'He'll stop you. "'You and Jesse both better stay out of my way "'if you know what's good for you,' I said, looking up the road. "'Klatu still wasn't coming. "'If you think I'm gonna let you go to Marshall "'and get yourself killed, you can't stop me, that's for sure,' "'I said, looking up the road. "'I'll call the law,' she said. "'You won't listen to me or your brother. "'I bet the law will make you listen.' "'I turned back on her, pointing my finger at her. "'You touch that phone, woman, somebody will be patching your head. "'Just wait,' she said, going back inside. "'I caught up with her and pushed on her, "'but she was too big for me to push her clean out of the way. "'But I beat her to the phone, and I jerked it out of the wall "'and throwed it down on the floor. "'Now call with that,' I said. "'You old fool,' she said. "'You old fool, what's the matter with you, you old fool?' My chest started heaving, heaving, just heaving like I had been running up a hill, a steep hill, and now I had reached the top. I looked at that woman I had been living with all these years like I didn't even know who she was. My chest heaving and me just looking at her. Something in my face made her back, back from me. She kept backing back, backing back till she had touched the wall. I kept looking at her like I didn't know who she was. My chest heaving, just heaving. What's the matter with me? Woman, what's the matter with me? All these years we've been living together, woman, and you still don't know what's the matter with me? The years we done struggled in George Medlow's field, making him richer and richer, and us getting poorer and poorer, and you still don't know what's the matter with me? The years I done stood out in that backyard and cussed at God. The years I done stood out on that front, Gary, and cussed the world. The times I done come home drunk and beat you for no reason at all. And woman, you still don't know what's the matter with me? Oliver, woman. I screamed at her, Oliver, how they let him die in the hospital just because he was black. No doctor to serve him. Let him bleed to death just because he was black. And you asked me, what's the matter with me? I stopped now and looked at her. I could feel the hot tears running down my face. I pressed my lips. I could feel my mouth trembling, but the tears kept on running down my face. It had been a long time since I had talked to her like this. "'a longer time since she had seen me crying. "'I didn't turn my head. "'I didn't wipe my face. "'I just stood there looking at her. "'At first, she looked scared. "'Then it turned to hate. "'Hate because she was so scared. "'He works in mysterious ways,' I told her. "'Give a old nigger like me one more chance "'to do something with his life. "'He gave me that chance and I'm taking it "'and I'm going to Marshall, "'even if I have to die at Marshall.' I know I'm old, maybe even crazy, but I'm going anyhow, and it ain't nothing you can do about it. Pray if you want to. Pray for all of us old fools, but don't try to stop me. So help me God, woman, don't try to stop me. I heard Klaatu out there blowing, and I wiped my face and went out on the Gary. Klaatu was in that old green pickup truck he used for peddling his garden. He had on that little narrow-brimmed straw, a white shirt, and a bow tie. Clato always lets you know he was a businessman. In the front of him was Billy Washington and Jacob Aguilar. Billy was from Silo, Jacob from the old mulatto place. Jacob and his kind didn't have too much to do with darker people, but he was here today. In the back of the truck was Chimley and Cherry Bellow. Cherry was between red and yellow with a lot of brown curly hair. I got in the back there with him and Chimley. While Klaatu turned the truck around, Ella came out on the gary to watch us. Y'all had a round, huh? Cherry asked me. She didn't want me to go, I said. I was at the store when I got the call, Cherry said. Mine don't know a thing about it, and I sure wasn't going to call and tell her. Cherry Bellow owned a liquor and grocery store on the highway between Silo and Baton Rouge. I just told mine my food better be ready when I got back home, Chimley said. She didn't know where I'm going. I don't even think she care. We were sitting on the floor, backs against the cab and feet toward the tailgate. Cherry Bellow had two 12-gauge shotguns on the floor side him, and he handed me one of them. He handed me a couple of shells, too. Leola sent that, he said. Y'all shot? I asked. I shot, Chimley said. I'm saving mine till we hit the field, Cherry said. Might see me a rabbit. No use wasting a good bullet on nothing. What we gonna do in the field? I asked him. going gon' drop us off just before he reached Marshall, Cherry said. We gon' walk across the field and come in from the back. Klaatu got another load he got, to, he got to pick up. Look like a lot of people want to gather at Marshall today. Sure do, Chimley said quietly. Chimley was sitting in the middle. He was smaller than me and Cherry Bellow, blacker than me and Cherry too. That's why we all called him Chimley. "'He didn't mind his friends calling him Chimley, "'cause he knowed we didn't mean nothing. "'But he sure didn't like them white folks calling him Chimley. "'He was always telling them that his daddy named him "'Robert Louis Stevenson Banks, not Chimley. "'But all they did was laugh at him, "'and they went on calling him Chimley anyhow. "'I looked at him sitting there between me and Cherry. "'He was my old partner, my old fishing partner. "'He knowed Chimley for, had known Chimley for years and years, "'my closest friend now, with all the others dead and gone.' How you feel there, old buddy? I said to him. He looked at me and grinned. Scared, he said. He had on that old Dodgers baseball cap that he had on since the Dodgers was in Brooklyn. It had faded to a light, light blue, and it was too big for his head. But old Chimley was a Dodgers fan down to his heart. I'm scared, but I'm here, he said. I nodded and grinned back at him. I was scared too, but at the same time, I felt kind of good knowing me and Chimley and Cherry and all the rest of us was doing something different for the first time. That brings us to the end of segment five of Ernest J. Gaines, A Gathering of Old Men. Thanks so much for listening here at Carlick Reads the Classics. Until next time.